Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity, recorded in the pod at White City Place. Today, we discuss the building of businesses and the responsibility for them to think ethically and sustainably about their impact on their workforce and the environment. As consumers, at least, our ethical threshold is beginning to rise, and new brands are being asked to do things differently. In the pod, one branding expert who's worked with some of the biggest digital brands and the director of multiple fashion brands who's recently launched the social enterprise Community Clothing. My name is Patrick Grant. I am a creative director in the clothing industry. And I'm Matt Heinel, and I'm CEO of Moving Brands. Matt started at Moving Brands as a design intern, climbing up to become its CEO in just nine years. A multidisciplinary creative agency, it has studios in San Francisco, New York, and Zurich, as well as here in London. Matt says, Nothing drives me more than enabling companies which are struggling with culture and reputation challenges to make a big leap towards change. Patrick has many hats in the fashion world, as director of Norton & Sons, E-Tots, Hammond & Co., and Cooks & Clegg, as well as community clothing. He got his start in the industry in 2005 after leaving a career in engineering, five years later being named Menswear Designer of the Year at the British Fashion Awards. He's a regular television and radio commentator, as well as a fixture of GQ's 50 Best Dressed Men list. His book, Original Man, was published by Gestalten in 2014. Matt, you and I have known each other for, uh, it seems like a long time. I mean, and we've known each other almost the entire time that I've worked in, in the yeah. clothing and fashion industry, which is about 15 years. Um, the first thing that I did when I got into this industry was, was, was regenerate a little tailors on Savile Row called Norton and & Sons, and you guys were very instrumental in this. I think you, you're, 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 you're a very modest man, but I think it's, I think it's interesting... Um, I think it would be interesting to say that you had a very fundamental impact on the whole process of how we thought about um, telling the story of our brand. It wasn't just that it wasn't just that you helped us design a logo and a set of you know assets. You helped us think about the whole journey, and I think that's one of the interesting things about um, everything that we're doing now together. Fifteen years later, is it still feels like you, you help us to understand how our customers see and feel the things that we're involved with. So obviously Norton's was a you know, small tailor's, but you know, we, we, we spent a long time and you put a lot of emphasis on thinking about how people experienced the, 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 the service and it wasn't just about a product. And I think what I'm, what I'm and, and, and obviously we work together now on community clothing, I'm thinking about how people feel about community clothing. I think one of the things that the fashion industry has to do um, better at is 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 think about how people feel about what they're buying and 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 how they feel about experiencing it because I think the way to solve and you know the big issue in our industry is obviously sustainability the way to deal with that is for everyone to buy a lot less stuff and to put more you know ultimately my view is everyone should buy almost nothing buy really good things keep them forever and spend all their money on music theater and, and and eating out you know so that we're not really consuming anything that can't be turned back around how do you how do you feel working with lots of other brands how do you you know how do you feel about you know the challenge of 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 understanding how customers kind of experience a brand that's a really hard question oh sorry thanks okay. for that <laughs> um 
Well, you did it very naturally. You yeah. know, we sat down. Yeah. You came to, you know, you came yeah, to Salvador, yeah. sat on the sofa, and you kind of went through and you... The whole process. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, until you said that, I hadn't thought about it as much. But looking back, it was very intuitive. Um, I've actually, if I look back, some of the things we did with you, and I was actually, uh, what I should say is I am a designer, and I was focusing on design mostly at that point. And um, I would look back now and you might give some of those things in the design world a name, like you might call them like customer experience mapping and uh, design thinking and service design and all these sorts of things. Basically, we turned up and just bothered you for a really long time, got suits fitted, spent time with the cutters and the tailors and met some of your customers and did all this stuff, went back into the archive and all those sorts of things. But basically, we kind of immersed ourselves and turned ourselves into I guess your customers, probably the ones with the least uh, means. Uh, but it was it was an amazing insight, and we saw how everything worked. And it's really kind of um, it's like a real production. It's very intimate and very theatrical, and all those sorts of things. So I think the the lesson going forward is that if 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 you don't put yourself in the shoes of people who are actually experiencing these things, it's quite hard to project the reality of what it's like for them to to experience um, brands in general. Um, in terms of sustainability, what what I'm seeing is that almost all the companies we work with, and some of them are really, really large, and some of them are really, really small, they're all, we're at the, the very small, least... We're the small one. You're the small end, but um, p- perfectly formed. But we're, we're, they're, everybody's thinking about it. I think what I'm also seeing, which is interesting, because we work with quite a lot of people at startup stage, the, the topics emerging right at the beginning when they're forming companies now, which was probably not the case even a few years ago. So people obviously thinking about finances and who their market is and what the business model is and all those sorts of things. But they're actually saying, here's my purpose. Here's what I want the culture to be about. Here are the priorities. Here's how we're going to deal with sustainability. So that gives me quite a lot of um, positive feeling about the future. But as we know, it takes quite a lot of time for businesses to develop. So that might be further out than I personally like it to be. Yeah, I mean, we did the same thing with community clothing. We, the, you know, the, it started from a point of how can we create and sustain the greatest number of jobs in the UK in the textile and garment making industry. So from the very beginning, it was about building a completely new business model that allowed us to 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 achieve that aim. You know, most fashion businesses, clothing businesses, in fact, most businesses traditionally have been set up predominantly to make somebody wealthier. Um, But I think I saw when I was back, I did an MBA. um, I finished it about 15 years ago. Um, Jeff Skoll had funded a center for for, um, social enterprise at Oxford University that was bolted onto the business school where I did my MBA. And I, at the time, I felt like, you know, social enterprise was, was the next big wave. It was going to change the world. This was about altering the kind of capitalist system in favor of a much broader set of actors, constituents. You know, it was about uh, running business for the good of employees, for the communities that surrounded those businesses, in a way that actually, funnily enough, you know, 150 years ago, all businesses worked that mm-hmm. way, whether they thought it or not. You know, if you look at our industry, if you look at the textile industry in the 1850s, say, almost all the people that owned the mills that made those clothes or made those textiles lived in the towns where their factories were based. So they automatically had very real and direct 
associations with the people that lived in those towns. You know, the people that worked in their factories were friends. You know, their kids went to school together. Um, they, you know, they spent all of their money locally. There was a much, there was much greater circularity um, and, and money stayed much closer to home. And I mean, that was entirely the norm. And everybody benefited from that, you know, and if there was surplus money at the end of all of this, you know, those mill owners would pay for hospitals to be built and schools and public parks and all sorts of interesting things. And, you know, fast forward to now where, you know, some guy in his bedroom could set up a fashion brand using, you know, with a, with a very cheap website, an Instagram account, a, a Rolodex full of influencers and basically a couple of phone calls to some people who work with some factories in Asia making some stuff. So it's incredibly easy to set up a business in the fashion industry and lots of people are doing it. You know, there are thousands of new, ultra cheap, ultra quick, very kind of ethically dubious businesses Mm -hmm. that are just springing up. I mean, a lot of them, I think, are they doing it for fun. Some of them will be doing it to make money. Some of them will do it just because they want to hang out with influencers in Ibiza and, you know, get involved in that kind of lifestyle uh and and you know and 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 that is the you know that is the bad end of what's happening in our industry but at the same time i think there are people well we are you know we are doing something different and i think there are lots who are doing what you say which is saying right well I, I i don't like all of this i reject that whole idea how can i build something that from its very foundations is about achieving a separate a, a different goal yeah you know our goal is employment businesses are saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm establishing this business with a simple aim of doing something that's good rather than doing something that's about creating cash. Yeah, I've heard that um, scenario talking about in the fashion world um, called building burner brands. Right. I've never heard that. But yeah, that makes sense. Brilliant. Like you just chuck them away every five minutes after you've done a a call to the dealer or whatever. And and I think there's that disposable nature. Obviously, that's very inherent in things like fast fashion. But I would say that's probably true across the business world. People are just trying stuff out. And if it doesn't work, so be it. Leave it to the wayside. I'm all for exploration and trying things out. Um, I think if, we, if we're not careful, we could get into a position where people feel intimidated to even do that in the first place, which is not a good thing. But I think there's something about that being a bit callous and being single-mindedly about making money, which is money only, which is dangerous. I'm not against making money at all. I'm just saying we have to put it in, <laughs> in perspective, right? And um, I, think, I, th- I think what, you know, I, I, I've met, people in my work quite a few different people but maybe they've had one career and then they've moved into another and they've brought that thinking that's kind of crystallized and solidified over many years of say working in corporate world and finance or whatever it might be and they've done very well and they've decided to go in and do um, something entirely different and they felt secure enough um, and confident enough to go after that much more single-mindedly something that may be more cultural maybe more social more sustainable that's great um and i encourage those people to do that all the time i what what i'm interested in is as well is with the younger people coming into business and into the creative industry in general is that their their fundamental starting point the baseline is much higher than what it might have been you mean ethically higher or what what sort of what do you mean by yeah i think yes ethically i think you know I, i encourage people who ask me you know what should I ask in an interview as a designer? I, I say, like, 
ask them where they pay taxes. Right. Um, I say stuff like, ask them what their um, pay equality strategy is in the latest data. And I, I want stuff like that to be, I don't, I don't want to focus any of my energy on that because to me that's table stakes. But if, if everyone doesn't ask that question, it, you have to keep rooting it out. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to see a situation where it becomes not obligatory in a regulation sense, but it becomes like the accepted norm that you, you're transparent about things like that so that we can get on with the business of doing business. Right? I think we're doing a lot of stuff at the moment, which is like defining what business is. And there's this, you know, lots of things fall under that. Um, umbrella and a lot of them are negative or perceived to be negative in the world and and I think it you know the, the things you're talking about where it's building something it's for teams of people working together there's like a mutual respect and regard and it's thinking about the longer term it's amazing how you have to sort of highlight those things but for me they feel like they should be the most basic inherent things that we're all trying to do um, so I, I, my my sort of play on this is talk to people when they're young as they're coming in so that they have the confidence to keep thinking about that as they go on and maybe start their own company or get into a position of influence where they can change things around themselves. Well, I think what's interesting, I think for, for, for me, you know, being creative is not about necessarily, you know, again, I think it's about creating, creating new models and creating new ways of doing business rather than creating better products or more interesting products. I think what, what, what is a huge opportunity for people with a creative mind is to find opportunities that the technology might present to do things in a better way. I mean, there are, if you look at the fashion industry, you know, Instagram and, and, and the internet have created this kind of paradigm shift. I mean, if you look at, I mean, it was interesting in the 1970s, kind of fast fashion arrived and shifted, shifted the whole paradigm you know, away from the traditional high street retailers, all of a sudden the high street retailers looked a bit ponderous and a bit expensive. Um, and then what has happened with the internet and, and smartphones and, and, and Instagram is that, you know, traditional fast fashion brands look ponderous and slow and the kind of new wave of sort of instantly available, super cheap to run, you know, you don't you don't need to know anything about clothing to start a clothing business now you just need a f you could probably do it off a phone mm. and a couple of phone calls and a you know a few free fr few free apps and some cash to pay for your first influencer mm. that that has that you know they've taken advantage of the technology to to do something cheaper and quicker but why is somebody you know why are more people not taking advantage of of the technology to do something better and and more positive i mean it you've you've saved you know you've chopped all the cost out of doing traditional retail yeah. and that's kind of what we've we've sort of looked at with community clothing what they're doing is just spending all their money on marketing instead yeah. of spending it on retail i saw an um, amazing statistic which uh, some vcs uh, had had been uh, uh, done a survey and they were, they were estimating that 40% of VC dollars go on back into Facebook. 40%. Wow, okay. Well, I mean, I can believe that because Facebook and obviously Facebook owns Instagram. Right. So, you know, all of that marketing money is just going straight down that pipe. You're listening to Thought Starters, recorded in the pod at White City Place. In conversation are Moving Brands CEO Matt Heinel and fashion designer Patrick Grant. 
you know, we're we're a really small thing in the world, in the, in the business world. But we work with. But pretty, you work with some pretty huge players. Yeah, we I work. Don't suppose with, we're allowed to mention, but we work the, with some, some of the biggest, biggest companies in the world, right? Yeah. So, it's, and you know, on some topics that you'd expect us to work on, and some other things that you, you probably wouldn't. And what we realise is that um, the analogy we think about is like being like a little rudder on on a very 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 big thing. Yeah, and um, and actually that's quite interesting because you you meet these you meet a lot of people inside big companies who have similar ideas. They want to change things for the better. They're actually very positive. They're very intelligent, experienced people, but they are working in a very big context. They don't necessarily yeah. have the power we all assume they do if we if we listen to the news stories and so on. And actually, small little things, this is going to sound really underwhelming, I think, but like small things can make a difference at scale, like can make a tremendous difference at scale. And so what what we did is to try to think about it systemically within our own business and say, okay, who do we actually want to work with? Because in a sense, one of the most powerful things we can do is withhold working with people. And that to me is an interesting thing in our industry. There's a lot of talk about doing the right thing and I'm all for that. Um, just to give you a real example, we closed down the business for a day and everyone went to Extinction Rebellion and was part of that protest and it was a really interesting thing to do and to observe and be part of. But f- for me, that's not enough. Like, it's a good thing, uh, an interesting thing, but we actually wanted to look at how we could do it inside the business as well. So we we actually have a, um, a scorecard for how we uh, review... Um, and filter the people who approach us who want to work with us. Do you? And that's actually, yeah. How do we how do we score on that? You, you would actually. It's really interesting because I didn't know this. <laughs> well, the thing is, we had it really intuitively for years, right? So, like when we first started working together, we didn't have that. Yeah. Um, but in the last uh, two or three years, we've had you've, a formal. You, you, one. It's a physical thing. Oh you yeah, yeah. No, it's a form you fill in. It's got maths in it and everything. It? It, yeah, yeah, it's got actual numbers and it's. Um, and it's wielded by quite a big group in the company. So it's very open and people can look at it and debate it. Typically speaking, it's pretty obvious when... Uh, so, so some of those things, some of the criteria relate to um, ways of working or um, industries that we just don't think we're suited for. Right? So, so no, no fags, no oil. Definitely no extraction, no, no tobacco, no arms, no pornography, no... Um, uh, those are those are off absolute no no. Uh, food and bev we're very careful about. We haven't actually done very much work and FMCG as well yeah. uh, b- because of the fast issue and the manufacturing yeah. issues. Uh, things like agriculture we've we've been in and out of and we've had a lot of debates about that over the over the years. But it's becoming clear that that's probably not ideal based on the big industrial things. Um, but there's it's more nuanced than that because it's got those sort of sector. Let's call them like ESG. Uh, you know, those sort of criteria you get in financial industry kind of aspects, but it's also got things that are particular to our business. Like, do we actually think we're going to be able to help that company, like given our particular capabilities? And um, most times it's pretty obvious, like, but you, it helps remove the subjectivity. But there's been a few times where it's actually been really contentious. Like we had one which recently, which I won't go into who it was, but it was interesting because the, they were founding a new business and the people involved actually had a, a purpose which was quite interesting, but they had come from another business that had um, clearly displayed the fact that they had uh, ideas that were com- the complete opposite of that. And we okay. we didn't feel confident from speaking to them that, that they the actually... could change its spots. Right, 
Um, and actually, the thing that we do is like we we always talk to everyone. I'm going to ask you about this afterwards. Obviously. Yeah, I'll tell you all about that. I mean, it's actually there's a, there's a, there's a follow on story to that, which is quite interesting. But we'll talk about that later. So, but did you not work with them? In the absolutely end? not. But right. we we did it in a way which is completely public in the company. So we yeah. raised it, and it was really amazing. Like the actual the level of conversation was super high, but also very emotive. Like these topics really mean things to people and not in a sort of just surface level like they're very deep things so we're kind of courting that dissent and debate quite a lot and i i would like personally i think that would be a healthy thing to be considered more widely in our industry because i think there's a lot of companies in our space who say a lot externally about being very positive about things but then you'll find behind the scenes they're making quite a bit of money from companies that are not exactly aligned with well, we, I mean, I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine who is, is the head of supply chain and sourcing for a very big fast fashion group. They sell, they are doing a lot of work to try and clean up their own supply chain, but on their platform, they sell other brands, including some of the absolutely worst offenders. And right. he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm out here trying to clean up our act. And at the same time, you know, one level up the chain, he's having a you know big fight with his bosses trying to turf these other brands off the off the site so that you know you you've got to you've got to you know you've got to walk the walk as well as talk yeah. the talk but it's it's chippy it's like a, like you say it's like a wrestle it's a fight isn't it i mean i saw jamie diamond ceo of um, jp morgan in an interview the other day and he, the interviewer was asking him very briefly but about we work because they'd been one of the advisors right. in we work and um you know, he it was interesting because he said we've got we've got some real lessons to learn. I've learned these this lesson, that lesson, and, and so on. Um, it was relatively candid for someone in his yeah. position, I would say. Um, and then he um, and he said one of the things that you know needs needed to be better was governance at that particular business. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and some. the interview, was, actually, but the interview is brilliant because he went, "Oh, that's it. he's really straight," and I was like, "This," and he just went. Um, Oh, that's interesting. So you, are you saying from now on you would never work with anyone who hasn't uh, solved governance before filing an S1? And uh, he rode back from that really quickly. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 of course, we'll talk to her. And it's, I, think there's, um, I think the statements help. I think going out and talking about it helps. But I do think some practical, specific um, actions in, inside your business matter uh, have the impact have the potential for a massive impact and though that sort of thing i'm not seeing a hundred percent hooked up yet by let's say more established businesses yeah um do you do you feel like people in, in silicon valley you know really really care about doing the right things because i mean it seems to me things that get invested in are sort of somewhat you know sort of dubiously social at best i think Care is a difficult word, isn't it? That's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of projection to make on people. I've, I've got to be careful with that. But I, I, what I, what I can say about my experience in Silicon Valley is that when a, when a sort of trend happens, people definitely move in packs. So if if being sustainable, if um, eating less meat, if buying clothes from a certain uh, manufacturer or brand becomes seen to be the right thing to do. By the right people, it seems to be have an outsized influence, and you'll find. I think you'll find things like there's a very strong trickle down effect in terms of the way people communicate and the stories they tell. So even down to the things like how an investor deck is written. If 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 a company did really well, so here's a good example: like uh, 
uh, Uber or Airbnb's investor deck or, or version of allegedly yeah. will be online, right? And you can have a look at it and people will lift things from that. If they start talking about design quite a bit, other companies who are pitching will start talking about design quite a bit and thinking, I need to have design because they're successful. Yeah. If sustainability becomes a topic at the earliest stages that VCs are interested in or stakeholders in general are interested in, it will create a demand for that. So I, I have a, a, a positive hope, let's say I'm probably optimistic generally on these things, but that those sorts of topics, like how you make things well, how you work with people, that it's not going to harm the world, become very core to setting up businesses, whether it's a really long-term uh, considered family business somewhere or an explosive startup type company in Silicon Valley. So I, I don't know if it even necessarily requires people to be good or have like very strong ethics. I just think if, if it that's makes, where the money is to be made, that's, that's where the money is go. and it makes business sense and it helps you hire a great team and inspire people and speak to the right audience. I think people will be like, that's cool. Let's do that. You know, yeah. I don't think it's more expensive to do that than the alternative. I just don't think people are aware that you can do it in yeah. a lot of cases. Yeah. We just have a couple of minutes left, actually. Okay. So, um, if you want to wrap up the conversation in some way. Okay. Um, is there anything that popped out for you that you want oh, to... Oh, no, this has all been great. Yeah. yeah. No, there's nothing in particular I um, can kind of return to. Um, well, can we talk about what we're doing at the moment, then? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think all of the, all of this conversation kind of leads to where, you know, wh where, where my head's at. And, you know, I have, I have a few brands in clothing... Um, and you've worked on almost all of them. The only one that you haven't worked on is Hammond & Co., which is actually the most successful. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly financially the most successful. It's yeah. the biggest, but it's also, you yeah. know, I've got the, 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 the might of Debenhams helping me do all the hard work yeah. on that one. But, you know, I've, I've been led through this journey from, you know, from small bespoke tailor to, you know, e-torts, which makes everything in fantastic factories in the UK. And, you know, as I've got older, you know, I'm now 47, you know, the, 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 my, my needle has tilted quite significantly towards, significantly towards, you know, trying to run a business that I feel really un, 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 unwaveringly proud of and that actually has the ability to do some quite significant social good. I mean, Norton and Sons is a lovely business. It's probably the most sustainable clothing business in the world. We only make what we need. Everything lasts for 100 years. We fix it. We repair it. We alter it. You know, it's lovely, but it's small. It's not going to make rat's ass worth of difference to the overall picture in the fashion industry in this country which is something I care deeply about. I love clothes and I love fashion but it's troublesome to me that we've gone all the way down this path. Um, you know e-torts is lovely. Everything we make we make with the greatest integrity it's beautiful pieces that again hopefully will last a long time. Mm. I've you know I took over the Cookson and Clegg factory five years ago because I didn't want to see a really important employer in the town of Blackburn, in fact, pretty much the last of the Victorian kind of textile-related businesses, go to the wall. And I've been thinking for a long time about, about the communities in which all the, the suppliers of ours work. You know, I, it, it's devastating to me to see the destruction of the fabric of these societies. Terrible pun, sorry. But, you know, we, we have, you know, we've lost a million and a half jobs in the textile and clothing industry, mostly in places that really need them. And for me, I feel, I don't know why, but I feel a really strong connection to these places and I love manufacturing. And, you know, so when I thought about, when, when, when I took over Cookson's, I was 
thinking, how on earth do I try and solve this? And I do feel that there is an opportunity. I think fashion used to make people feel really happy. And, you know, there's a lot of data that says buying new stuff makes people feel happy. Mm -hmm. But I think that happiness is now becoming so short lived and it's such a tiny little blip that actually, you know, people are consuming more and more because they want just a little bit. You know, I guess it's like, you know, it's like taking drugs. You take Mm -hmm. the first time you get a big hit. Mm -hmm. And eventually I don't know any of this. But, you know, (laughs) as I understand it, you know, over time that diminishes and diminishes and, you you know, you end up taking more and more and getting less and less out of it. And that's how I feel about fashion. Mm. It's like we're now at a point where people are buying new stuff every week and it's kind of worthless and they feel hollow about it really very quickly. You know, you buy it, you do it, you take a picture of yourself, you stick it on Instagram, it's gone. Mm. And then you're left with a thing that has consumed all of this, you know, resource and energy and money and everything else. And it doesn't, it has no value to you at all anymore. Clothing used to have real value to us. And I think, you know, for me, the opportunity is 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 more than about just making good clothes, which, of course, community clothing is about. Because what we're doing is fundamentally good for all of the communities in which our factories are based, and therefore it's good for, you know, ultimately all of our society and our economy, people feel really good about it. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing now, the feedback that we get from customers, not just about the product, but more about how they feel about having engaged in something that is doing some good feels to me like that is the way forward. That mm-hmm. is, you know, if you have a business that makes people feel proud to, to engage with you and be a customer of you, then I think you're on a winner because I think so much, particularly in fashion, so much of it feels sort of worthless. Mm-hmm. And I think capturing... You know, so I was at the I was at the Cheltenham Design Festival a couple of weeks ago, and somebody said it was all about designing experiences, and I was thinking about community clothing, and, and it does feel like it, it sort of is an experience. It's quite emotive. Uh-huh. It makes it's it's a sort of powerful, positive feeling that our customers get from knowing. Also, they love the fact that you know they open it up and it says it's you know it's made in Blackburn and they're from yeah. that town and they understand what that means. You know, it's going back to that economy of the past where you know the money I earn I spend here and it goes back into supporting the people that I actually care about, which are the people that live in my street and you know work down the road. And so for us, I think that you know the opportunity is to is to is to, you know what we hope to do is to show people that actually. That is a powerful thing. And if it's real, because there's a lot of bullshitters in our industry are talking about ethics and sustainability and it's, you know, it's greenwashing. But if you build a business that's fundamentally, you know, it it boils down to making customers happy, but it's making customers happy, not through the consumption of physical stuff, but it's, it's, it's much more, it's, it's much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. It's about giving them happiness because they feel like they've contributed to society in a positive way. Yeah, and I think also like other things I'm hearing you're saying stuff around giving people or helping people get esteem for what they do and the decisions that they make in in, in something that might be quite consumerist. I think that gets taken away often. That's a mask. Like a lot of these things are, like you say, it's almost like a a sugar rush uh, of esteem, but it's fake. It's not a real thing. It doesn't actually build that in you for the long term. And I've noticed that in our space as well. It's like... um, there tends to be an over-focus on making something or getting um, a sort of short-term acknowledgement for something. But if uh, acknowledgement for something, but if you, the way I look at it with with our team is, 
it's an ideas business. It's not a making business in the way yours is. So we're quite different in that sense, although we overlap in a lot of ways. And so I, I sort of look at it as if it helps them think about and question the world around them and make decisions that they think are honest to themselves and give them esteem and confidence, that's probably really good for the world. Because it's not a huge amount of people, but our industry isn't that big, actually. We all know there's actually not that many people influencing a lot of these things. And if and most you, of them are in the UK. A lot of them, are, absolutely. It's, it's a tiny, tiny group of people who are doing the things or starting the things that we all think are good and buy into. It's a very, very small group of people. I feel like I work with a few of those people, and I'm very lucky to do that. And actually, if they go out in the world and, and take that confidence... Um, and the amazing judgment that they have and, and the care the kind of things you're talking about there. In the future, I do think it will have an impact. Like the, It will impact in the way that the CEO of a very big corporation will be paying much more attention to people like that. It, they may become the CEO of a corporation like that. It's not so strange an idea that you might have some design training if you're in a position of that type of responsibility. It's actually probably quite useful in, in modern business. So I think things like that where... We're talking to, like you're saying, talking to the customers and actually thinking about them not as customers or users or numbers, but actually as people and a part of a community and we're all kind of in it together and how do we all interact. Obviously, there's a transaction there as well, but it's not only about the transaction, but also thinking about the people who are making and they're not just sort of faceless drones who just pump out stuff and have no judgment about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but actually have the confidence and sense their own value in that process and can influence that in a big way. So I, I, I sort of part of me is really annoyed by all the stuff that's going on, but I'm also extremely optimistic about it because there's very, very smart people with a lot of passion who can do these things. I think they just need to be constantly encouraged that it's possible and they'll smash it. That was a conversation between Moving Brand CEO Matt Heinel and fashion designer Patrick Grant. This has been Thought Starters, recorded in the pod at White City Place. Thought Starters is a DNN Co. project for White City Place, produced by David Michon, recorded and edited by Sean Crook. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com, on Twitter or Instagram with the handle at White City Place, or shoot us an email at podcast at whitecityplace.com. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, give us a rating, and write us a comment. It really helps. Until next time.